listening to Product Journey. Ingo, how is it going? Very, very good. I mean, weather is beautiful. We have around 30 degrees and sun is shining, beaches close by, so I can't complain at all. <laughs> wow, so you're living the digital nomad dream. And how long have you been there now? Um, well, I did my uh, PhD presentation on the 20th of December. Um, so that was my last stressful event in my old world. And then we had a flight on the 23rd of December. And then we were actually, we were, we landed in Bangkok on uh, Christmas and then kind of spent the time to get a one week of vacation. And when my girlfriend and I started to work and went to different places in Thailand. So yeah, that's, okay. that's a little bit on the timeline. Cool. And then are you are you still with your girlfriend now or are you just like solo there now? I'm currently I'm solo. She left um, a couple of days ago. So she's in one of the more conservative employers. Um, so they told her she can do it. It's absolutely fine to work remotely, but they need to restrict uh, time because otherwise they might have problems with the insurance and with the mm. taxes, blah, blah, blah. But kind of my understanding was that they still need to do research on how much time you can spend where and then a lawyer was started to get involved and everything took forever. Um, so I'm very happy that she spent the, I think it was roughly five weeks with me here and was working very well. And now she went back to cold winter in Germany. And yeah, I'm still, I'm still here and enjoy the sun a little bit more. Nice. How how long are you planning to stay there? Um, I have no idea. I will stay. <laughs> I will stay in Thailand for another two weeks. Then I might go to India, Goa. Um, it hmm. seems like a very very nice place to be. It was recommended by some friends. So I really want to see it. And then I probably go back to Europe. Um, I fell in love with Barcelona in, in Spain. For me, it's like the best city in the world <laughs> so far. And I really want to um, stay there a little longer. And then it's also easier with my girlfriend because, I mean, flight from Frankfurt to Barcelona, that's super quick. And so we can kind of figure a way out how we want to kind of attribute our time between the different cities. And after that, I really have to figure out what a sustainable lifestyle is with that. Because so far, kind of this digital nomad thing is really, really nice for me. I like it a lot. And I have the feeling I want to kind of do it and experience before I get a family. And it's at least not that easy anymore to do it that flexibly. So I want to kind of get get more of it as long as I can. And who knows, maybe in six months, I tell you, um, I really want to go back to Germany. I miss the food. I miss my friends. I miss my family. But so far, um, <laughs> I really like it. And there are no plans to kind of completely come back to, to Germany forever. Okay, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, 
I've I've thought about it because I feel like digital nomading yeah. was definitely like a huge craze. Um, maybe like right before COVID time, mm. like everyone was kind of talking about it. It seemed like all entrepreneurs and indie hackers were doing the digital nomading thing. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it would be kind of fun. Obviously, I wasn't really thinking about doing it once I started to have a family. I think if Mm. I didn't have a family, I probably would just try it out just to see what it was like, kind of like what you're doing. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm curious, like how expensive is it? Like, is it expensive to like stay at the different places you're at and like move around and all that? Mm. It is, it is not expensive if you kind of do your research, especially Thailand. I mean, you can have amazing food for a couple of euros. They kind of do your laundry. It's incredibly cheap. And also the, a friend of mine just stays at a place that is, I think, $200 a month um, mm. for pretty much everything. And then you still need the co-working um, space. So I, I would say that's very inexpensive if you kind of put in the effort to do the research, go to the right places. Um, so for me, the start was a little bit more expensive because I said, okay, I want to go to, for the beginning, I want to go to more Western-ish places and kind of it's better to spend a little bit more to get familiar with it. But now as I yeah. experience how it goes here, I think it is possible to live a way cheaper. And I think what makes it, expensive is that you still have the flat at home um so at some point Mm -hmm. that's probably Mm -hmm. something we need to think about what's the best concept to do that if you kind of rent it then out or if you even need it but yeah i at, at some point we need to to discuss it but kind of currently the increase in lifestyle is so much that i say it's absolutely worth the money and I mean, it's a great way to see new places without taking a ton of vacation. So I try to take a lot of Fridays off at least half a day if I can, even the full day. And then you have like three three days in an amazing vacation place without kind of having to have the flight as for this kind of traditional vacation concept. So yeah. for me, that's absolutely worth that's it pretty so cool. far. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And what was also surprising is that the internet is a way better than in Germany. So I Whoa. have the feeling that <laughs> the Germany is actually a way behind at least what this technical infrastructure is about. So kind of my internet speed and reliability is at least at the right co-working spaces are way ahead the German ones. And I noticed that not only in the video calls with my co-founders and my development team, but also when I have calls with my family, that internet here is a way better and it's so cheap. It is really so cheap. So you can get those eSIM cards, um, you buy them online, pay, I don't know, 15 euros, and then you're good for a complete month and you can do I don't know, pretty much everything. It's like 50 gigabyte. Um, at least I don't need it if you don't binge watch Netflix all the time. I think that's more than enough. So yeah, the yeah. infrastructure is really, really good here. That's pretty crazy. Um, how about like like the language? Like, are, is it hard to like communicate? Like, I'm guessing they have a different language there. Like, to just like get mm-hmm. around and talk to people and stuff. Yeah, the the type 
people's English is not that good, but they are incredibly friendly and helpful. So most of the time you can kind of communicate enough to get what you want. Um, so that perfectly works fine. And I mean, obviously you notice in most cases, they are like the Thai prices and the touristic prices <laughs> and probably you get the touristic prices if you don't speak Thai. But I mean, that's totally fair. And I think it's also good that they also gain something from all the tourism there. Um, so yeah. I really think that that's actually something good. And then in the co-working spaces, everyone speaks English. Um, there are a ton of different nationalities. So that's really nice. And the, the nice thing is also everyone wants to find new friends and make connections. So everyone is super open. That That's amazing. And so far, it was simply perfect, except of the first co-working space. <laughs> There, I had a feeling only Russian people were there and they didn't speak a lot of English. So they tried to communicate in Russian all the time with us. And that was obviously not working. So <laughs> the very first one in this first co-working space, that was a little bit more isolated. But at the same time, my girlfriend and I were too. So it was not bad. And we kind of then focused a little bit more on exploring the surrounding and less on community events with kind of the co-working space but kind of for all the others they have a ton of community events so you go after work you do game nights you do lunches together you kind of do trips on a weekend where you visit nice beaches rent boats stuff like that so they really kind of try to help you to experience the, the nice parts of thailand while ensuring you have like a good environment to can do your work very efficiently wow that's pretty cool that sounds like a, a pretty good setup very very interesting um yeah so yeah so so, so what's far, uh, nothing been i want like, to change <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what's uh <laughs> What yeah? How's like uh, work been going? What's been some of your updates there, and what you've been doing in the last couple of weeks? Mm. Well, so how is work going? Actually, it changed a little bit. Not only because I finished a PhD, but also I think because of the time shift. So currently, my schedule is I can focus on programming in the mornings, and then in my afternoon, it's morning in Germany, so everyone wakes up, and that helped me a lot with my productivity so in the morning i get my shit done like no video calls not mm -hmm. a thousand slack messages or emails not could you have a look here and could you kind of discuss that one with me um so that's incredibly yeah. productive for me i get most of my programming stuff done and deep focus stuff and then in the afternoon i can have like all the calls i can discuss with the development teams with my co-founders and have like way more calls it's mostly emails um and i really like that it's so good to have like a blog where i do my deep focus work and then it's for me it's an obvious in the afternoon it's more about communicating writing emails stuff like that so that helped me really really a lot and on the uh, kind of on the business side, um, we actually started to partner with different platforms. So I think publicly announced already Custom Alliance or Alfine. So 
those are platforms where you can manage your reviews, but you can do way more than that. You can also have kind of the ticket system, property management, and so on and so forth. They have like a ton of different integrations and they would like to use our feature to automatically reply to reviews. So we provided them with APIs. And I mean, we discussed it, I think, before, um, where we yeah. talked about exclusivity. And back then, we actually told one of the platforms, sure, we can do um, exclusivity, but then there's a big price tag. And they told us, okay, well, if it's that expensive, maybe we think about it a little later. So let's start with no exclusivity. What was the perfect option for us? Um, so yeah, and then we started to work together with them. And that's actually a really nice revenue stream because they already have like good access to the markets. They have big customers. So they make make some API calls. And we really hope that this number is hopefully exponential exponentially growing let's see how it goes but so far it was a really nice start and i really like that we don't see each other as competitors although we are in the same space but there's a lot of collaboration happening and we try to kind of support each other and that's my very very personal opinion i think the market is big enough for kind of different players and we could be one of them i think it's not one of those markets where it is like the winner takes it all um so yeah mm -hmm. that's one one big update that's pretty cool yeah and yeah that's that yeah. sounds good and other than that we talked a lot about and i mean we already discussed that one also in in the goals about how we want to do the next year we really decided on a strategy we will build a lot of new features so bulk replies kind of having an overview of your own reviews analytics i mean we come from this analytics world we really want to bring that into the new world i think that will be exciting stuff like automation notifications um i think that will be a big switch and then we will focus and on making those core features super intuitive super lean very high quality and we will then have like a limited feature set focused maybe on a smaller hotel hotel change and kind of being a very good option to those huge corporate e solutions where you have like a ton of different features but probably they are less intuitive because they need to be more complex and they have a higher price tag so that's kind of the positioning we kind of came down to after a ton of discussions in the founder circle and meetings interviews and so on and so forth um, i think that was a big step and then we also decided that probably we will need some kind of gap funding um because before we become break even or before we have like a big um funding round so that's also one new thing to tackle in the upcoming weeks. And for that, we now prepare our shareholder meeting where we will present all the changes on the strategy and also talk about funding because mm -hmm. we already have investors and with the new product, kind of the development is really, really good and promising. So there might be the chance today simply step in and say, okay, we would kind of finance that gap. And then after that, um, we might get new investors, 
And for us, that would be really nice because fundraising is so much work. It's incredible. And my co-founder Max yeah. is normally doing it. And it is pretty much a full-time job. And then kind of he's working less like how long on marketing does it take, and sales. Yeah. Like how long does it take to do the fundraising um, and so, raise money? I'm, I'm sure it depends, yeah. but like how long did it take the first time? So the rule of thumb kind of is you should start at least six months before you actually need the money on the bank if it is like a proper funding round and you want to talk to a lot of investors and i mean for us it took i would say we could have closed it in something like also like maybe a little longer than half a year but then there were also the negotiations with uh, selling the company and then we were not sure if we really want to have the funding or not. And then at the end, it was probably more something like nine to 12 months from we created the very first pitch deck until the, the money was actually on the bank. So I think it can take a long uh -huh. time, but just as you said, during the time we got more revenue, so our runway was a little longer, then we changed the strategy a little bit, and then kind of everything changed and was in, in the flow. I wouldn't say that it's then kind of one year full-time fundraising, but kind of the first weeks, um, that's really full-time job. And Kind of currently max the co-founder who normally does that is doing marketing and sales and last time we really saw that sales dropped um when he started fundraising because there's a hmm. founder that takes less time way less time to do the sales stuff so yeah, yeah for us it would be a nice option to not do that again yeah that makes sense um that's interesting and then another question i had about the pricing that you had around the API um, mm. for those bigger customers, is that like like a set kind of flat um, pricing that you do? Or is it based on the amount of times they use it, it the price mm. goes up like based on usage? So we, we have both. For like the smaller platforms, it is one set price. And we said, okay, if you use away more, um, we will negotiate again. And then they normally have a fixed amount they pay at the beginning of the month and then if they use more api calls and some of them do they will pay the overage at the end of the month that's for the smaller platforms but for the larger platforms it's just what you described so we have then pricing tiers for them and say okay the first i don't know 10,000 api calls cost this and then the next 40,000 api calls are a little bit cheaper and then kind of there already is this decrease in pricing built in. So we don't need to mm -hmm. negotiate the contracts every time, but we did it once. And then if they are, become a very big um, customer of ours, they get advantages for, for the prices. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, because that's interesting. Like, I don't know much about working with bigger customers um, because mm -hmm. yeah, most of mine are like, you know, very small, like pro-consumer self-serve kind of customers. Um, so it's just that process of uh, having bigger customers and working with mm -hmm. them and making deals and stuff. I haven't had much experience with and also I just curious because I like, you know, curious about thinking if I would want to serve bigger customers like that or not um, in yeah. the future. And I would say the 
downside is kind of the pricing part is not a worth thing, but then it's about service level agreement. So if they report a bug, how fast can you fix it? And if you don't fix it that fast, what will that mean? What is the uptime of your API? And if you kind of leave the corridor, they will get a discount. So a lot about legal stuff and then you kind of need to report all the third party tools you use because they need to know because they also have big customers and they need to report their third party tools and the third party tools of their third party tools. So that's like kind of this organizational legal stuff that comes with it that takes longer, obviously. But the good thing Mm -hmm. is that obviously you make you make more money than with the small customers so you close one deal and it's right. like a big jump and they in have the money mm. <laughs> and the, the second thing is i mean they put a lot of effort into it they put a lot of effort into implementing it writing tests and they have a set roadmap probably for the next year so there is a certain login effect so i would say if you I mean, obviously it can happen, but if you do it the right way and provide great value for them, probably there's not that much churn. Um, so I think that's also something that's really helpful. And I mean, the basis for that is that you need to provide good value for them and that it needs to make sense. Yeah. But I, they, they are not like those smaller customers that are maybe like, oh, that kind of alternative has now this little new feature or is like one dollar cheaper and maybe I simply go to them. Probably that doesn't happen for platforms simply because they put a lot of effort into it into the beginning, implementation, blah, blah, blah. So they have like big switching costs. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember one time with Potion, (laughs) I had a guy that he must have been at a bigger company. He like messaged me in the live chat and was like, hey, mm. what's your guys like uptime percentage? I was like, wait, <laughs> what, what is that? I know it's it's funny because I'm like a website builder, like pr- website provider hosting, mm. but it's like, that's not even something I ever think about because like my customers <laughs> don't ask that kind of stuff. So I ended yeah. up just kind of like guesstimating a little bit like, eh, I, I, it's probably around this based on what's happened in the last <laughs> you know six months. Um, yeah. So it's kind of funny. What, was he ending up buying it or he went away? I don't, I'm guessing, I don't think he ended up becoming a customer. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think so. But yeah, he, w- he was considering. Um, so Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, we, we now did a lot of that stuff. And also it kind of becomes easier if you close the first platform deal, then the second and third is kind of a little bit more easy because you know what are they asking for, you know how to structure the contract. But yeah, it's, Kind of most of the times you need a lawyer that kind of does the contracting stuff and a lot of discussions, negotiations. So it simply takes a little bit more time and sales cycles are longer. So there are pros yeah. and cons. For sure, yeah. Um, yeah, but see, any other things you wanted to share? I have probably a little bit I could share. Yeah. We, no, then uh, let's the pod, let's. Let's continue with you. Um, For me, it's really working as a digital nomad and then kind of having this big vision and a ton of features now to build. So I think the the upcoming weeks, um, there will probably happen quite a bit. And so I'm looking forward to also share that in the future. But now I am interested in what's new in your world. 
Well, I will say, because you said that, like, it, it does feel good, I'm sure, to feel like you have, mm -hmm. like, when you're to a state where you feel like you have a clear vision of what to do in the future, like, I feel like that always feels good. Once you figure that, mm -hmm. and you're like, all right, now we just got to, like, go through this plan, and, like, this makes sense, and we can just, like, work on this. Um, I feel like it's always kind of hard to be in limbo a little bit of just, like, what's going on? Like, you know, are we going to do this? Or are we going to do that? And you're kind of like thinking about it all the time, just kind mm. of, it, it makes you also not sure what you should do with your time because you're like, oh, well, what should I work? Like, what makes the most sense for me to spend my time right now? And you're just kind of thinking about it all the time. Um, so I'm sure it must feel good for you guys to like get through that, to be like, all right, we've got a plan. And yeah, especially when you develop, it's, yeah, you are right. It's such a good feeling. You have like a clear roadmap. I do believe 100% that this is the right thing. I'm super motivated for it. And then the execution feels so good. And you have the feeling super today. I build this little feature and it makes sense. I can ship it and then on to the next one. So that's currently a really nice place to be in, especially from the development side um, with me developing and obviously also for I hope at least for the development team that they know what to build next and that they have this vision where to yeah. go to. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so for me, this last month has actually been pretty good because mm -hmm. it's been very relaxed. Like I've basically just like taken the foot off the gas on all my business stuff and just like basically kind of like made myself be like, all right, I don't have to work on stuff. I don't have to feel like I need to push potion forward like if potion ended up just being at the same mrr at the end of this month like that's fine like there's no problem there um now that you it, now that you said it, now that you said it i want to know did it grow did it grow over the over the month you didn't do anything it uh, i did yeah and that's what it was kind of cool like i think it nice. grew just like 4.5 percent <laughs> um the in january which is kind of a bad month like usually i've been hitting around six mm. percent or a little over six percent the last like six months every month um but yeah so i think partially there was more people canceling in january just because it's like a new year and they're like oh what am i doing this year and you know that kind of stuff mm. um but yeah it that was definitely kind of a cool feeling actually a feeling like basically i did the minimum amount of work i could do on potion which is around like mm. 30 minutes of customer customer support a day and it just other than that like it just kind of worked and that was kind of cool to see um that like i didn't have to be there every second of the day to kind of make the business keep working and, and keep growing um so that was definitely a good feeling um but yeah really i i didn't do much on potion other than customer support this month um and then do you have the, you know, the first do you have the feeling because there's this idea of you build a SaaS and then there's this passive income and you don't need to work on it it magically just kind of the engine runs and grows and everything is amazing do you have the feeling you could continue working only half an hour a day for the next year or that wouldn't work I don't think that would completely work. And I think that's partially based on what's your product. Like basically my product would slowly like erode over time if I never touched mm. it. And the reason is, is because Notion is on their side, they're like changing things every once in a while oh, yeah. and they could break something for me or, you know, just make things not work perfect. So I have to, you know, basically if I keep up on it every couple of weeks and like spend some extra time to like fix things and like update stuff, then like that would kind of work. Um, but yeah, there's always going to like be some kind of eroding happening if I don't touch it. So it wouldn't be perfect like that. I bet there are some sasses though, that you could 
set it up that way. Like it really depends on the market and what the product but, is. But I bet there's some SaaS where it's like believe... you could basically, yeah. I think that's very, very interesting. So you say kind of if you ensure your system works and you would kind of at least if if Notion changes some API endpoints and you kind of build that into your system, but you wouldn't do you wouldn't build any new features and you wouldn't do a lot of marketing. Do you think you would kind of plateau you would kind of continue to grow a little bit slower but you would grow or kind of the business would be gone in two years what do you think um i think that the business would start to grow slower i think the main thing that mm. would hurt it is me not just like being active sharing about what's going on with it on twitter because i definitely have some growth through that channel that comes through so i think that mm. would be the main way that it would start to slow but if i you know if you had a SaaS that had good SEO and other like kind of organic channels that were working really well. Um, I think it'd be okay. And actually now that I think of it kind of my main channel now with potion is affiliate uh, links. And so like that would just kind of still keep working even if I didn't do anything. Um, so that is mm -hmm. a pretty good passive kind of channel. Um, so I think, I think it could kind of grow um, until the code eventually stops working. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, that's definitely been cool. Um, so yeah, basically what this month has been is we had our baby on December 30th and mm. kind of that first week, I was just trying to be like super helpful with my wife, helping her with things, helping with the baby, you know, changing tons of diapers, helping with our older kids. And it was actually a lot of fun. It was just like hanging around the house, being with family. Mm. So that was fun. And then the second week, I you know basically did that again, but a little bit less. Like there was a little bit less I had to do. So I actually had like some free time to like, you know, read some books and I listened to some Audible books and I watched some interesting shows um, on no on uh, Netflix and yeah, just kind of be able to like think about things, think about what I'm doing, think about goals for 2023. So yeah, it was just like a really relaxing time. Um, we had some guests, um, maybe the third week of January, some friends. So that was really fun hanging out with them. Um, and we hosted them in our house. Um, and and then you, after they left, I... Yeah, go ahead. And when you had more time to watch your... I can do a little bit more your stuff. Was that a time where you thought more about that you might want to sell the company because in the last goal session you just talked a little bit about that you might sell um mm -hmm. the, the company was was that something coming from that time or was that already before december so um yeah i think i was starting to think some of those slots before december um but mm. yeah during that time in january i was definitely thinking about like what do i want to do like what things do i want to spend my time on um And uh, I read this really good book called Garden City that's all about this, like how, like how do we spend our time working and like what that should look like and how to do that in a way that's really fulfilling and gratifying and, and uh, giving kind of um, giving like a purpose to your life in work. And so that was a really mm -hmm. good book to, to read, to kind of think through some of that of like, okay, what do I want to work on? What makes sense um, to do next? Um, and ha thinking through ideas and all that. So yeah, it was, it was really good kind of time for that. Um, and then like this last week, I actually kind of started getting back to working a bit more. Um, and I actually, 
Well, kind of. I, I wasn't really working on Potion yet. I actually just kind of like did this fun side project where I just like built out this project um, and basically just trying out an idea. And, and mainly I also did it because I wanted to learn this new technology called Supabase, which is this um, database oh, yeah. kind of provider um, that I haven't used yet. And I've heard lots of good things about. So I wanted to use that. Um, so I just made a little project um, that I thought would be an interesting idea to learn Supabase and kind of build that. So people can check this can out. Sh- I haven't talked about it anywhere else yeah. in, or anything, but um, mybag.so is this like little website I made, and it, it is a crypto thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's mybag.so. And basically what it is, is it's a place for people to share kind of the crypto tokens that they hold in a way where they mm. don't have to share their wallet address. Like some people don't want to make their wallet address like public because then it's kind of like a security thing or people know kind of what you're holding exactly and when you move money around and how much money you own. So this is kind of a way that people can kind of share like what tokens they hold and care about without um, having that like vulnerability of making everything public. Um, And I think there's different ways I could go with this. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a really simple thing right now. It just kind of shows the tokens, the crypto tokens you have, the different NFT collections that you own something in. Um, and it Ex- almost is like a link tree. Excuse me for, for asking the dumb yeah. question, but why? Why would I sh- <laughs> share that online? So why? <laughs> no, that's a good question. Um, I mean, right now, there isn't a ton of reason with what I've built so far with it. There might be not mm-hmm. be a ton of reason of why. Um, it's kind of like a link tree a little bit. Like, you know how people can have like a website? Um, mm-hmm. My bag is kind of like that where it's like each person has their bag and that's kind of their portfolio of tokens and stuff. But then you can also add like links to different things you care about. You can add your little bio. And so it's kind of supposed to be like a, this little shareable thing that you can share on Twitter or other places to kind of just show people like what, tokens you like and are part of or nfts you like um so it's really Mm -hmm. simple right now um so it's definitely kind of like a community kind of thing of just like kind of showing your uh the crypto tokens that you're into and so it's definitely for people that are into crypto um and then it's pretty much like it's pretty much like kind of on instagram i share my private life and pictures so everyone else sees kind of what i experience and with my crypto community i would use your social platform to show my portfolio and kind of what i'm what i'm into is is that the the purpose to share what i'm interested in yeah Okay. Yeah, I think cool. so. And I think like going forward, I could like build out like actually showing some different stats that are from people's wallets, like maybe like their biggest loss that they made or their biggest win or different mm. interesting stats that people would want to share potentially. So I think there's some interesting ways could go could go with it. I could even do something of like connecting you to other Twitter because it's all connected to Twitter. Like you connect your bag to Twitter. Um, and so like, I could do interesting things where I connect people on Twitter based on what kind of tokens they hold. Like everyone that has Bitcoin in their bag could see who else is on my bag that has Bitcoin and then they could like reach out to them on Twitter. Or, I don't know. There's some interesting thing ideas, but it's, it's just kind of a fun side project. Um, and so I had some fun with that in the last uh, week or so. Very, very cool. Any customers yet? 
One. I mean, I have, I think there's like 10 bags on there. People that have created bags, <laughs> just some, just friends and stuff. Basically mm-hmm. that I've told just to have them try it out and stuff. Um, I haven't really talked about it anywhere else. So eventually I'll, I'll share it on Twitter and see if I can get some other people interested to check it out. And is it, is it more a learning thing and you would, you don't plan to charge for it or if it kind of if people are super interested in you might think about investing more time into it how do you think about it yeah yeah i think if if people like it like potentially i might spend more time on it i think the business model would be to keep it free for people to create bags Mm -hmm. and show their bags off and stuff Um, but then the business model would be basically just trying to get a ton of traffic to then be able to go out and get a crypto company to want to be a sponsor and have them sponsor the Mm. website and then potentially have like affiliate links as well in some way to try to generate some revenue that way. So yeah, if, if there's enough people that find it interesting, I might build onto it more. Like I think there's a lot of things I could do with it to make it more interesting and compelling. Um, Mm. Yeah. We'll see what happens with it. Kind of just a fun thing for right now. Very, very, very cool. Um, I also want to share one idea. Maybe you want to build it because I would love the product to exist, but I think I don't have the time oh. to build it. And it's probably <laughs> very simple. So, um, and you gave me the advice when we had our review of the year about the book Atomic Habits. And I really, really mm. liked it. Um, and it got me really thinking about kind of goal structures and habits and what I would like to do on a daily basis. And there are apps on habit tracking, but to be honest, I don't want to use a web app for that. And I don't want to kind of be reminded on my phone and need to go to an extra app every time I want to track something. So what I thought yeah. would be super nice to kind of simply connect my WhatsApp or SMS, get a text message that asks me, hey, did you do, I don't know, your 20 push-ups a day, kind of whatever habit I set up and kind of it keeps track. And it also at the same time reminds me because, I mean, I will check my text messages. I will check my, my WhatsApp, my whatsoever. And it simply kind of tracks that and generate some kind of graph or like this github where you see like every day um did i Mm. do it didn't i do it and i think it would be super simple to build um and i i would pay for it and i would use it and what i like about it is the fact that i do not need to log into some kind of app every single day because i would simply want to get like a small reminder i want to reply to it with a yes no number of push-ups I did that's it um so if yeah. you know someone that already built it or if you have too much time <laughs> wanna experimenting with I don't know Twilio um for messaging or stuff like that um and build it I would be your first customer nice I feel like there's got to be something like that out there yeah, you know there's all these different goals apps and to-do apps and things like that um yeah, I feel like there's got to be something out there. Um, well, Probably. I think maybe. maybe that should. Yeah, I think maybe that should be a wrap. That was that was good. Um, start to the year. It's crazy how fast it's already going. Like January is yeah. already like done. And like 2023 is going to fly by. It's going to be crazy. 
Yeah, but a lot of interesting stuff happening. So looking forward to get the next update from you and talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.